1: time to tune in. Let's
0: go. Welcome back to Better Thinking. My name is Nesh Nikolic and my guest today is Dr. Frankie Fong. Frankie is an honorary research fellow at the School of Psychology in UQ. His research interests lie broadly in social learning and over imitation with a particular focus on factors that modulate children's conformity. He is actively involved in cross-cultural research and has established a field site for developmental psychology research in East Malaysia. His current research focuses on the role of social learning in the development of scientific and religious beliefs and behaviours. He is also developing a series of studies that compares children's learning and perceptions of information conveyed across different presentation mediums, such as digital screens, books, and in-person. Absolutely fascinating conversation today. I think uh, Frankie is, you know, quite uh, quite or well, incredibly well versed in his knowledge of this space and so elegant in all of his examples and likes so i've really enjoyed myself and it's learned you know i've, I've learned a lot from this this conversation so i hope you enjoy it as much as i have frankie a big thank you for coming onto the show today
1: you're welcome it's great to be here
0: Look, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to, to to talk to to you. You know, being an academic that you know is very passionate and interested in in you know this space around social learning and you know how over imitation can work, particularly around you know children, you know, and how they develop their 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 social norms and the like. And in particular, as well, the you know the cultural space because you know we can we can sometimes talk about learning in you know Broadway and sometimes it's also nice to do a bit of a, a deep dive and look at uh you know how that might look different from culture to culture and you know that might actually mean you know certainly in australia from household to household because you know we've got so many migrant families and in, in, in that multicultural uh, world so thank you for coming on
1: thank you for having me
0: how how did you get into you know this research in this space where did this interest come from
1: it's it's yeah, it's a, an interesting story, I think to share. um I was originally from Malaysia. I came to Brisbane, Australia to um to uh, study psychology as an undergrad student. I then when I was considering what to do after my undergrad degree, um I was thinking of pursuing a, a PhD um, program uh, and back then I was very interested in thinking the how much of the australian ways had i adopted back then and, and how much of the malaysian way um had i retained um so i have been thinking a lot about um adaptation and 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 how i have quickly learned how to to fit in the bigger environment by imitating people so i think that sort of got me into the topic of social learning and imitation, and I always like children. I'm always fascinated um, by how amazing uh, children learn and and how much information they learn from their daily lives. So that that's how I got into the the current topic of research.
0: It's fascinating because my family migrated to Australia, and you know, much of my childhood life, I didn't feel like I was Australian. I felt like I was Serbian living in Australia. And uh-huh. from an identity perspective and from obviously a language perspective and, uh, you know, when when you're off the mark from a language perspective, you don't understand what all the terminology means. Um, you know, when I remember when my friends used to say, I've got to go home for tea.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I would scratch my head and go, why are they going and drinking tea it, like that doesn't make any sense to me but you know you just stay quiet i'm like well i'm gonna go and eat Why you know you guys are having tea i, I, I never understood what that meant you know um and all these small little uh, differences made me feel like i was somehow different you know little did i know that you know as a multicultural uh uh, country we you know many of us are in the same boat and and you know there's such beauty in that as well but uh uh, how did maybe you could talk a little bit about you know your specific journey as well in terms of you know what were the things that you saw yourself imitating or you thought you know i have to do these things to to blend in to you know conform to you know get along with my colleagues and meet friends and, and and be part of you know australia
1: well one straightforward and and simple example is that I started calling people mate and yeah. I started using the word cheers a lot.
0: <laughs> you're definitely an Aussie if you're saying mate.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so those are the two simpler things that I could pick up in a, a shorter amount of time. Yeah, well
0: maybe we can jump into to you know tell, tell me a little bit more about your research
1: so um my re- my research Focus um is mainly on social learning and particularly it's about imitation and it's about um over imitation the terms over imitation refers to the the proc the, the this this inclination to not only imitate what's functional or or what's practical, what makes sense, but also this tendency to replicate particular actions that may lead to a less efficient manner or which may lead to um, some form of unnecessary behavior. For instance, if I were to show a child how to open a box, by tapping the box three times before opening it, it is very likely that the child will copy the tapping, even though it is obviously unnecessary. So this is now termed over imitation because it's it's not only about imitating the opening, which is uh, the the essential or crucial part of the action, but also the unnecessary part, um, which is fascinating because why do we bother Copying something if it's less efficient, if it is more effortful, there must be some kind of meanings behind that, and and uh, that could be a social reward. That yeah,
0: yeah, that that's really interesting. I'm 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 going to mess this up, but someone told me an interesting story, in somewhat to demonstrate the same, talking about monkeys climbing a ladder, uh, right. Where- I'm not sure if you've heard heard that one before, and maybe you can oh. help me out. but it, okay. it, the story was something like you know a uh, a monkey while it's climbing the ladder or when it touches the ladder, I think is given like an electric shock. And so okay. it, it uh, and then and then a second monkey is introduced into the context. and the second monkey uh, is told by the first monkey, don't touch the ladder. It'll electrocute electric or give you a shock. And then the experimenters turn off the the um, electricity or, or, or the shocking mechanism, right. and they introduce a third monkey. And the third monkey, you know, that's obviously never experienced this, is told by the first and the second. And obviously there's there, there, there's a learning that goes on that you don't go out and touch that. Obviously, you and I can see the evolutionary basis of that is perfect. You know? very mm-hmm. functional yeah. having said that you know we can see in our own lives you know many of us can over imitate and 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 talk about things that we don't have any actual knowledge of like you know global warming and what are the impacts and effects and what does co2 go out and do it so we tend to parrot these things and it does seem logical and it seems like you know it's scientifically um Uh, uh, corroborated at the same time what do I know about any of the models as a matter of fact I've never looked at one of the models I've never read a model I don't even understand how the models are made I don't know the statistical analysis and what's put in but I can comfortably say oh global warming is x I have heard very different opinions though uh, Mm -hmm. at the same time that are quite compelling arguments too which say well you know it might also just mean that where we do agricultural harvesting and stuff, somewhere where you couldn't do it before, you might be able to, um, and so on and so forth. And so it's not a clean-cut argument, but we can easily over-imitate with our beliefs and and, and, and viewpoints and our opinions.
1: Yeah, and, and it reminds me of uh, studying or viewing over-imitation as a process-oriented mechanism that is... Why do we display such tendency to over imitate? Because we think somehow that the process is far more important than the outcome. Imagine building a house. What's the first thing one person would do before building a house? He or she might look at how previous people have built their houses or how previous generation have had built their houses <laughs> And then they might get inspired that way. Um, And this is how knowledge get carried uh, uh, over different, across different generations as well, that we we don't only um, invent or innovate, but we also carry on knowledge that that were passed through from the previous generation. And and very often, I think, over-imitation or this form of, Faithful transmission of knowledge enable us to rapidly acquire a mass body of knowledge because you don't really need to think, but what you do is let's why why don't you copy first before questioning us question mm-hmm. questioning it and then it will also um a- avoid uh potential errors um attempts when when we 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 experiment things ourselves or when we explore things ourselves it it tends to take longer and it tends to it, it's more prone to errors than this form of high fidelity copying or over imitation so that that, makes that is,
0: so much sense you know Ed, uh, yeah if, yeah you know, with, I've got two children and and you know everything they do at the moment is... Is you know really imitation, you know, and, and and it yeah. means that they can uh, adopt you know social norms and safe behaviors and ensure that they are um, you know accepted by their peers and and you know all these sorts of things and you know it, it's the Bobo doll experiment, right? You, yeah, you, you yeah. go out and, and 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 just do whatever was told And I love I love your example of opening up a jar, you know, you tap it three times and then unscrew the lid. Um, children because, will do
1: that. Yeah, and there's because there's so much to learn about um, how to behave properly, how to do things in a culturally appropriate manner, um, it perhaps is, and some of these behaviours are so complicated that it is so hard for a child to process if a child has to think about, Okay, why do I need to do first? And then why can't I do the second action first? If a child has the, a, a child could be too young to, to process all the complicated logics behind a sophisticated behavior. Mm-hmm. Therefore, perhaps this kind, this form of orientation is helpful in terms of acquiring a vast amount of behaviors first. And then thinking about refining and um, finding one that that suits you best later on. It's like collecting raw materials and building blocks and then finding your own identity and and, and your own profile later on. So this is the copy now and refine account uh, that that, uh, certain researchers focus on. But, but there, some researchers tend to focus more on the social affiliative uh, account of our That is, it doesn't only allow us to rapidly acquire vast diversity of behaviors. It also allows us to identify with our in-group or our cultural group. And it helps us to quickly learn about the social norms around us. It is a way to enhance our group identity.
0: Mm. And, and that is a pivotal...
1: Uh, because you norms. never go wrong by copying yeah. those around you. People will quickly say, yeah, look, you are behaving in the same way. We belong to the same group. So therefore you you, you form this kind of social bonds very easily. Even those that the, the behaviors you do might look silly or um, redundant, but you are behaving in the same way that gives you a good social reward of feeling you're part of the group. Yeah,
0: very much, you know, very much Asha's, uh conformity studies, uh, the early yes, works yes. Of, of just agreeing because the others have agreed because that just, you know, keep, keeps you in better stead you know it, it, it's wiser to do that but I, I like the idea of you know copy now and then refine the the you know and and yeah. truth be told yeah you know, as you say kids don't have that processing ability and you know parents know this because when you try and actually provide a logic if a child says oh why do i have to Once you start providing a lot of logic and reasoning they're like okay okay don't worry about it they don't want to hear it you know they they they, yeah. they, 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 they can't um go into those depths or they don't have the attention span, they don't actually have the interest, they're just saying, I don't want to. Why usually means I don't want to (laughs) or bargaining chip.
1: Yeah. And what got me very interested lately is uh, imitative flexibility. That is, children, as they grow older, they become more likely to over imitate. That is, they become very interested in uh, copying um, redundant actions, seeing those as a, a form of social norms, but at the same time, they actually also develop strong instrumental judgments about behaviors. That is, if copying means that we'll risk them failing a task or that we'll risk them losing certain goals, then they don't, they won't imitate or over imitate. They will instead follow their own intuition into a certain task. For instance, we we gave children a a task of uh, cookie crushing. We we showed children how to crush a cookie, either using a a, a soft pom-pom tool or a a hammer-like tool. But we told children, everybody here uses the pom-pom. Nobody uses the, the, um, the hammer most children did not copy the the socially modeled actions, even though there there was some form of uh, social pressure.
0: Yeah, wow. I imagine, imagine, well, my apologies, I'm interested in what age those children were and whether they had already had some exposure, obviously, in their upbringing at home, you know, in terms of a hammer is, you know, a tool, the utility is to hit things with it, and and it does yes. crush things.
1: Um, this, that, yeah. So this study has been replicated many times, and uh, a a good friend and and uh, a collaborator in the US have tried this with Asian American children and Caucasian American children, and they found that when they increase the social pressure by getting more models to repeat using the pom pom tool. Caucasian American children were not affected by that, but the Asian American children tended to to copy the the, the redundant choice of using oh, wow. the up to brush the cookie. So this actually shows us the importance of considering cultural uh, factors or or cultural background, um, and it's I think it, it also inspires me to to not about so what is a better way or so what upbringing is better but but why is there a difference the so embracing difference and the diversity perhaps well the the interpretation is that it's 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 a a kind of um politeness to to to, uh, to, to be respectful not to to because they also found that when the experimenter went away, when the child was alone, they actually went back to the hammer instead of copying <laughs> the the, the, the pom pom. So it's, it's a form of respect, uh, and, and it could also be due to this kind of expectations to to uh, not confront someone when when uh, some someone will not voice out your your true opinions when when even though you knew that someone was totally wrong or uh, uh, uh it's just different cultural expectations, I guess. And, and I thought your point about um different upbringings or parenting styles or, or family environment is a very interesting one too. Uh, there's a trend in our field to study individual differences. And in, in, in the um, field of social learning, researchers speak, Come very interested in studying uh, th- th- how the amount of autonomy given to children, or the amount of authoritarianism that is the 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 parent becoming the authoritarian figure, expecting children to follow rules all the time versus parents giving a lot of autonomy for children to make their own decisions. And how might this impact children's social learning tendency or uh, or particularly imitative tendency?
0: Is that somewhat of the hypothesis potentially that, uh, explain some of the Asian American uh, conformity being greater, even yes, when obviously the yes. redundant choice of the pom pom, um, yes. you know, w- w- was provided. That something in the upbringing, in the, in the culture, in the expectations yes, of the exactly. Out, out Perhaps the there's more
1: em- there's more emphasis on rules following and following the authority figure versus voicing out your own opinions, being yourself
0: wow wow and and what are the implications of 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 that in in, in terms of are there are there you know studies that look at the functionality of that because obviously we all get through and you know there, there, there's all different shapes and sizes but are there are there some pitfalls that we see in in uh, uh not necessarily stacking one against another so not trying to say you know what's the the parenting style, yeah, like yeah. the right culture, but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, what are the things we should look out for, you know, in, in either of those directions where lots of autonomy or, or, or quite, quite, um, uh, you know, directed? So, you know, is, is it more over-imitation uh, or is it more maybe, you know, open learning, you know, where, where a child gets to, you know, effectively... Have that autonomy and and, and do the, the the repeats and you know it's almost like a behavioral um, uh, reinforcement and cognitive reinforcement.
1: Yeah, I I I think it's it's more like a preference because for for example, let's say there's a a cultural group that really values autonomy. So the 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 way children learn and behave is highly autonomous. That is, they very much value independence. But in a way, they are actually conforming to this bigger environment of valuing independence. So it is one form of imitation or conformity, just that everyone thinks that we should um, value independence and, and we should... Not care about how other people are behaving. So, this is actually a prominent feature of small scale societies, particularly hunter gatherer societies. Um, it
0: speaks to my pleasure to jump in, uh, Frankie that's that's another one of group identity right this is why yeah. a particular Indeed. school you know becomes like oh we go to that school you know and and and, you know that has its own whether it's prestige or whatever it might be it's like you know we've got like-minded parents at this school um and, and we're in the the in group of that school and we do that for suburbs for cities for countries for you name it you know soccer soccer teams you know the the, the, the whole lot
1: yeah But what's universal, though, I think is pretend play, where you see children pretending to be a teacher or a doctor um, all the time. They pretend to be a dog or a cat crawling on the the floor, (laughs) drinking milk from an empty can or something. Um, uh, that is that that that's also fascinating because that we can argue that it is a form of overimitation where they kind of practice what they have seen in their daily lives and replicate those scenarios through pretense, but there should also be some form of creativity and and some form of independent thinking. That is, they would also incorporate their own ideas. To expand upon what they've seen. So I think it is a balance of both imitation and innovation that drives cultural evolution, that drives, um, uh, yeah, cumulative culture, that is how we pass on knowledge from one to another. And then we improve how we do things.
0: There's a, but, there's uh, a marriage yeah. and a and, and, and synergy yeah, between yeah, that. We, over imitation, or, or, or you know, a form of imitation, and, and independent thinking. So, if 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 yes. you jump into a scenario with a child, and you know uh, you're on a farm, and you know they happen to be a horse or something, if you start moving the environment around, they will often say, "No, no, no, this is how it works," you know. So yeah. even though no. they're in imitation, they they know you know how to be a horse or whatever. They still are directing with their independent thinking. You know the, the, yes. the, the, how the scenario plays out. It's th- those two worlds are coming together, almost, almost like like the copy now and refine later is happening simultaneously to a degree that's right. as well. Um I'm yes. not sure that's quite yeah. right, but, but but something's going on there. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it is. It is a little bit of a both playing in tandem to to kind of keep us functioning, but it is. Of course, I think more more people are aware of the, um, the advantages of conformity or of um, involving in this form of high fidelity copying or overimitation. imitation, because as we say, it serves two main functions. First, it enables rapid acquisition of a vast array of behaviors and knowledge. For instance, imagine how children are taught to write, to read, to, to, to speak. It's through repetition and through copying. Um, and then the second function is the social function. Um, as we behave in the same way and as uh, we, we, we perceive this form of redundant actions or unnecessary behaviors as part of our social norm, We learn how to behave in culturally appropriate ways. But if over-imitation is the only mechanism that we encourage children to develop um, and we we enforce a start by things like we reward a child when they copied everything the exact same way as we taught them, It can be dangerous because that way we are encouraging children or um, people in general to employ a default approach to things. That is, I am going to use method A to solve problem A. If there's a small tweak in problem A this person might not be able to come out with uh, a suitable solution if he or she has not had enough practice uh, in in thinking independently or thinking out of the box. If person A is used to this high fidelity copying all the time, but lack the development of independent thinking or lack the opportunities to, to make their own decisions or choices, um it it could be risky because as as i, I mentioned earlier that imitation innovation should work in tandem. Mm.
0: it's uh speaks so much to how I think education has changed in Australia and, and yeah. i would I would like to say, you know I'm sure the same can be said around the world from uh, you know directive teaching you know of, of effectively saying, you know, copy me, and you will learn through repetition, rote learning, etc. To something that looks much more like, you know, a university tutorial where the uh, you know, whole class can go out and debate, and have a conversation, and entertain different ideas, and hear your, your peers' thoughts of you, and you know, have difficult, you know, questions posed by the tutor, and and so on and so forth. And you know, that's obviously tutorials happen after a lecture you know so the lecture is the directive one saying this is what we currently know uh but now you can go out and extend on that and and, and be a little bit more liberal and open and and, and develop on that. that that that's almost like the you know first you know lecture is the imitating and then the tutorials the the, the, the process mm-hmm. the refining yeah.
1: Yeah, and and this kind of free play play based uh, education in across kindergartens and childcare centers, I think they are very much providing children the freedom to explore, to to experiment and to play with all sort of um, different materials, uh, friends. So, but but at the same time, I think there's a misconception about um, giving autonomy to children. That is, bear in mind, there there are always some underlying principles that govern certain behaviors or free play, right? Uh, There are certain basic rules or principles that children have to follow. So it's not saying that we give them the autonomy means they can do whatever they like. It's still within a certain boundary. So that's where I think imitation comes into play. That is, we still over imitate certain rules, but there is some leeway of incorporating your own ideas. So that's a real
0: beautiful blend, you know. uh, Yeah. And, you know, I mean who might to say but it feels like it's it it it's good because it exposes to a, a child to both learning options there's the learning of this is what's appropriate and that might be because adults have put rules in place we'd like to hope around safety around you know appropriate things for children to be handling playing with so on depending on age but at the same time yeah. allowing them to to uh, you know foster their Um, curiosity and you know potential adventure or or, you know learn at their own pace with their individual differences um so and they could be engaged and enjoy it and and you know learn from that so it's it's some type of blend and 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 obviously you know some children will probably benefit from more or less of either of those you know more autonomy some kids don't do particularly well with that for whatever reason and and others do exceptionally well and vice versa some you know purely from personality traits might like rules okay. and um, I they think follow that's that they enjoy it and it gives them structure
1: yeah and and it's totally okay and we we embrace that yeah um yes
0: how how does um how does this play into you know uh and I'm, this might be a little bit naive but I'm I'm Love to hear your, your thoughts. How does it play into like religious beliefs or, um, you know, these the, these these norms that that families have, you know, and you know, he, you know, a classic one, you know, I almost religiously believe in. um You take your shoes off when you enter the house, and you know, mm-hmm. that was something that I've imitated uh, from my parents, and uh, right. I, I hold that with 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 with, with, with such, um appreciation of why that's the right thing you know in air quotes uh, how, how does this play out you know in 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 the, the, the these larger conceptual you know difficult things that are so prevalent in, in in our lives i think you know religion is obviously a big one it might be you know um i mean it's probably getting a little bit further into in, 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 into life but uh you know political um you know positions and, you know, all all the difficult things that we don't like to talk about over dinner.
1: Yeah, so I think that that reminds me of how uh, over imitation researchers, while some of us or them uh, are currently focusing on ritual learning, that they're seeing this form of faithful copying of uh, redundant actions or series of actions as a, a kind of ritual learning, because they somehow look like a set of ritualized actions. For instance, if I, again, if I were to do this before opening the jar, the, the lid, um, it, it, it looks somehow ritualized. And... Uh, that's how people describe uh, habits or certain routines, right? As rituals, too. And, and rituals may not necessarily need to be religious, it could be a, a family practice. You know, all of us in, in the same family practice this because it tells something about the heritage of our family, it tells us about the cultural identity of our family it tells us about, so by looking at how you pour red wine, for instance, I don't know whether this is a a good example or not. I can tell you are from the Fong family, for instance. It's interesting. This reminds me of this example of Japanese tea ceremony. So uh, Japanese tea ceremony has a history of about 600 years now. And at some point many hundred years ago, there's this famous branch of tea school um, that, uh, that was divided into three sub-branches because of various reasons among brothers. Um, so they decided that I want to form my own sub-school of tea. The way they subdivided, they, the way they differentiate one from another was... Simply something like, I'm going to use a red cloth. All of us in this school must only use a red cloth. Whereas those from the second school have agreed to use purple cloth and not use red cloth. Or things like we'll have a ring on the top of our lid. That will signify our group relationship. Um, or, or you know, every time when we open the lid, we'll put it on the right. And for your school, you put it on the left. So there are subtle things like that, that helps to differentiate group memberships and who you belong to, which group you belong to. Um, so I think rituals or the, the kinds of habits we over imitate or replicate over time serves that function. Again, back to the social function of group identity, whether it be your political affiliation or your religious affiliation, When I, I think when, when we find what's in common between us, we form the social bond. And one way of enhancing that social bond is by over-imitating how we behave.
0: Look, I, I really love... Uh that transition and i think you really understood my 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 question and really pulled it apart Uh, and so thank you for that in terms of this question about you know whether you know religious beliefs or you know talking about taking my shoes off you know in in the same vein these are habits they're routines they're traditions you know and 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 they do become this kind of group have a group membership you know that, that this is this is just something that we do you know whether it's a purple cloth and it rings so true to me because, uh, I, I, even though I, you know, I can be quite strongly, um, opinionated, I try also to hold another position which, which says I am naive and don't know much about most things, uh, because I, I just simply do not know the topic. Okay? So if, mm-hmm. if someone asks me something that's political, I don't know. It's too complicated. Right. I haven't spent the time. I I don't know that world. You know, from a religious perspective, you know, yeah. I haven't I haven't spent twenty thirty years trying to study any religion. In actual fact, you know, uh, uh, let alone a single one. And I think if you're going to study one, you better probably understand the others as well if you want to have a really deep insight. So I find myself, uh, and maybe that's somewhat of my my personal tradition is is to understand I don't know um, or at least try and hold that you know I might you know with, with personally with with friends I might you know go off and and go on a rant and and say this is how you fix the world uh, but uh, uh it, it's lovely to hear you talk about it that, that way because it kind of says that everything we do at least we can observe it from the perspective that you're talking about or saying where did I pick this up where did I learn this from, you know, because uh, it then it at least allows us to pause, you know, take a moment, take a breath, you know, be grounded and, and question what am I holding and is it, is it redundant, you know, yeah. uh, or is it functional? There, there's a real functional yeah. analysis going on, which right. uh, being a, being an ACT therapist is, 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 you know, uh, one of my big passions.
1: And lately, we have focused mainly on um, establishing imitation or social learning as context-dependent. So children are highly flexible in their social learning um, decisions. Make, well, when they're making social learning decisions, they're highly flexible. So uh, they always amaze me that they, they, they are able to take in available information about a particular context and make their social le- learning decision based on the particular context. For instance, by st- simply telling children to focus on the goal or to focus on the process can change how children imitate. Uh, there's this class, uh, this class, uh, this study of necklace making where they showed children a series of actions of how to make a bead necklace. The the featured action is that the experimenter or the model would always touch their forehead using the bead before stringing it on a a string. And then they wanted to see whether children will copy that redundant action of you would touch your forehead before putting it on a string. And they found that children would only do so copying those silly head-touching actions when it was framed as watch, this is what I do. Everyone always does this. And then we saw high level of imitation. Versus when it was framed as Watch, this is how I make a necklace. Children did not copy the redundant action. So children were very sensitive to cues such as verbal cues. And they know the main purpose of the task. It is, well, look, this task, I'm going to tell you about necklace making. So yes, okay, I'm just going to focus on necklace making. Now I'm highlighting... uh, what is normative? Everyone does this. Everyone always does it this way. Okay, then now I know I should focus on the process, which is to, to, to conformity. So, so this when, is just one example of how subtle cues could switch children's social learning decision.
0: So when, when they're provided effective with social proof and saying everyone does this, they will follow that because obviously that keeps them in the in-group. But when you tell them about yeah. process, you're saying, you know, I'm going to show you how to make a necklace that they are looking at the, the functional aspects. Yes, of, so the focus is
1: more wow. on necklace making and it's more on, well, you should find the optimal way of making a necklace or perhaps there's this hint of saying, well, you can just make a necklace of your own. That's yeah.
0: such elegant and beautiful research isn't it
1: yeah i i love that paradigm it's it's a simple paradigm but it's it's a powerful one you can see clear effects by manipulating this, the the verbal cues I, I
0: i can imagine how how enjoyable and fun it is to work with kids because that naivety uh, allows us to you know see how open they are, and, and and in actual fact, give us an insight into how our brain yes. is is structured. You know how our how our learning is structured, and hopefully, therefore, you know use those learnings to support the type of learning we want in schools or as yep. parents. You know, are we looking for the outcome, or we're we looking to establish a boundary and a rule? Uh, and yeah using our language is the moderator about, you know, are we <laughs> saying this is how we do it in our family uh, or everyone does this Yeah. versus, yeah. you know, uh, you know, a, a outcome orientated experience, which in actual fact, at that point, they might find a more effective way to, uh, to, to produce that, you know, with their own creativity and, you know, own autonomy.
1: Yeah, we actually lately found that uh, using such verbal cues through a computer screen is more effective than when it was devel- delivered in person. So what, in a what study do you mean by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So so we 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 had a study showing children two ways of completing a task, one efficient and one less efficient way. And we told children, everybody uses the less efficient way and nobody uses the more efficient way. So for the less efficient way, children had to build a tool themselves using Lego or using magnetic pieces, whereas for the more efficient way, it is a readily made tool like a a bent pipe cleaner or a, a, a stick. So we found that when the demonstration was on a computer screen, imitation rates was higher than when it was demonstrated in person. It was totally unexpected. And our speculation is, and and this, of of course, requires more follow-up studies to to validate our, our speculation or our interpretation, is that perhaps it is how we view Screen information these days might be very different to how people view TV information 10 years ago. For instance, when you wanted to look for a good restaurant for fish and chips, the first thing you might do is to go to Google rather than asking your friend. Well, you might still ask your friend, but Google seems to be a good new friend these days. (laughs) Or when you're wondering how to Assemble something or how to fix something. Perhaps YouTube is the 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 quickest um, source of information you can access to, and um, so so there there actually are some new studies showing that for certain knowledge, children do have a preference towards screen based information or internet information over verbal in person information. So I think this is an emerging field, an emerging area of research, and and perhaps not many. Well, perhaps some of us are still not aware of the 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 how we how our perception of screen-based information might have changed lately.
0: Um, uh, do you mind if I pop in a little hypothesis in there? Uh, yeah, yeah um, go ahead. Yes, nice see. To, to, to yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it seems to me like the written form holds authority, that that's for some reason when someone reads text, you know, a book, an article, I mean, this is how, you know, journalism works They they can write any headline and it it feels for many people that, you know, if it's written, it must be true. Yes. It it comes from an authority. Like they couldn't write that down if it wasn't true, you know, that that scenario. And so, Reading it on a screen, the screen is the authority. You know, whether it's reading it on a, you know, a newspaper, whatever yeah. that thing is, and and if there is social conformity in that everyone reads from that newspaper, then and and it's got the power of authority, then you better go out and uh, parrot what the newspaper is saying if you want to be in the in group, uh, mm-hmm. and and yeah, and so. It seems to me that text uh, that is maybe separate from the person you know. You know, if you know the person, like you know yes. that mum's written down something on a piece of paper, you probably won't listen to it because you still know it's from mum. Yeah, yeah. If, it's, if if it's printed and it look, comes from a book, the book is therefore true. You know, everything that was in the encyclopedia is valid, right? Um, yeah, couldn't be printed otherwise. So that that's just a little hypothesis that 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 might um, need to be examined and explored.
1: Yeah, I uh, think that's interesting, sense. and we are in the process of designing studies. Like, would you listen to Bluey more? Like, for instance, there's this famous selective trust paradigm where you could get two different informants to suggest either conflicting information or alternative information. Uh, A simple way of doing this is you get a person A to suggest a new name for a new object, and then a person B to suggest an alternative name for the new object. And then we ask children, um, well, person A says we should call this a mob, and person B says we should call this a pax, what do you think? Should we call this a mock or a PAX? By using this paradigm, we can sort of uh, figure out uh, children's social preferences in terms of which source of information do they trust more and do they follow. So one way of manipulating this is we could perhaps use Bluey, the famous cartoon characters, or Mickey Mouse or Peppa Pig as the person A and the random cartoon character that, that children that, that don't know as person B. And the hypothesis is that we'll see strong preference of <laughs> character A. And, and we, we could perhaps draw a conclusion of saying that it, it is likely that when children are familiar with a particular cartoon character, they tend to um, follow information suggested by them on screen, something along those lines. Mm.
0: I, I imagine that would be the case because you know, that that's how we do things, you know, in the political world that, uh, you know, politicians yes. like to be likable. So, you know, they pick the color of their suits and ties. They make sure you have a, a photo with a baby all the time. Then you go and put a hard hat on so that, you know, the tradespeople of the world go, oh yeah, he, he, he understands us. And then you go into, you know, the world of doctors and, and you know, you put a white coat on and, and then... You know, you get everyone that cares about their loved ones or has medical problems. They're trying to capture everything to, to go to be likable, you know, and if you have that likability, uh, then and, and also I think frequency as well. I think there is research that says from a voting perspective, if you don't know the names but you're familiar with one, you just pick the name that you're familiar with. That familiarity, yeah. says that's yeah, safe, this, yeah, yeah. you right? say familiarity
1: or, or the credibility of the source of the information. Yeah, so this is a yeah. way of looking at it because everyone refers to the screen when they're looking for some sort of information or when they're trying to validate some information they've heard from their friends or a stranger. It seems like screen is a digital screen. Are, are, are reliable sources of information that hold credible normative information perhaps uh, so this is a new line of research
0: yeah well, look I'll tell you what that is that that's mind-blowing because I've never thought about it in, in 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 this way in terms of you know from a learning perspective and you know questioning yeah you know uh
1: Uh, Again, there's no right or wrong or better ways of uh, transmitting information. But again, it is this flexibility and context-dependent learning. That is perhaps when it is screen-based learning um, that uh, perhaps people tend to to get into a process-oriented mode of learning. That is, they tend not to criticize too much about the content and not to, to... involve too much independent thinking, but more in this high fidelity mode of copying. Whereas when it is in person, perhaps there's more uh, room for independent thinking and critically thinking about the solution. But one important note I would like to make is that, so there's this dual stance theory, that is you either would go into a conventional stance, that is, you focus on the process and you replicate the process faithfully without changing it much versus the instrumental stance. That is, you focus on achieving the outcome using the most efficient or the, the optimal means. So as yes, you, you might have already figured out the conventional stance is over imitation. That is, you replicate everything faithfully versus the, the instrumental sense stance is more like innovation or you, you modify the process to, 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 to suit your, your demand. Um, uh, well, this is a, a pretty well established um, uh, theory or, or concept in, in social learning. That is, we know that children will switch between the two stances depending on various contextual cues. But a, a, a common misconception is this is a dichotomy, but it is not. Yeah. When we are in a conventional stance, we are we we are still thinking independently. We, there, there is still some form of rationality. You are we are not copying blindly. So but you're you aware that you are, you we are, are actually copying what's socially or culturally appropriate. But, but you're, you're not doing that blindly, if you know what I mean. So it's a, it's a more like a degree. If you look at it as a spectrum, maybe you can see it as 80% conventional and 20% instrumental. While you're in the instrumental stance, you prioritize what's instrumental. But at the same time, there should still be some form of conventionality. It is a more complicated concept, but... Mm. About Trying to say it, it, it's not a dichotomy. It's no.
0: not.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's. It seems and, to me that the people that, um, well, some people that stand out to us that you know are very inspiring. Uh, uh, quite often, we see them for their instrumental um, aspects that they are pioneers in something, and you know yes. they apply you know a first principles approach to a problem, yes. and they. Redefine the, the 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 whole problem and and ask very different questions, and as such, yes. they get a, an incredible outcome, and and we're all amazed by it. But that's yeah. actually come from uh, uh, the dual stance of of first, it was based on you know highly focused on the process of imitating that that they went and understood what all the you know
1: yeah, physics, yeah exactly the
0: biology or they had such a strong command of their field. To then apply the instrumental um, thinking uh, aspect, you can't just do that from from nowhere. So that's that uh, 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 the breakdown of you know it's a dual stance. In actual fact, it's 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 both, and you know it's moderated over time and 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 changing all, all the time as well. So um, yeah, that 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 really explains a lot.
1: Yeah, a- another emerging area of social learning studies is. We are interested in, again, well, we know that uh, social learning or imitation is context dependent, but as many societies are becoming multicultural, children are exposed to different ways of doing things. So this awareness of diversity may allow children to learn how to react or behave Differently in different settings. For instance, when you go to a Vietnamese restaurant, you may insist that you wanted to use the chopstick to to have your Vietnamese noodle, even though it's effortful and difficult. But when we are at an Italian restaurant, even though the waiter might say, Well, we have chopsticks available, if you like to use chopsticks for your (laughs) pasta. You would not. You would instead use a fork and you might even eat it in a, an Italian way. Uh, and and children might eat and behave differently at daycare versus when they're at home. So I, I think they, they are such flexible learners and imitators that they will adjust their behaviors depending on the context. So they, they will develop such capacity to allow them to identify different conventional means and apply them to the suitable context. But that may have to build on exposure. That is a child might need exposure to different ways of doing things or diverse ways of behaving. Um, in order to practice this flexibility and the awareness of you can actually do things differently depending on where you are or which group you are from. Um, uh, uh, There's still very little research on this. And based on the existing literature, it seems like children don't get to um, develop such capacity until the age of maybe 6 or 7 but we still know very little about this uh, so this is also something i'm very interested in is to to study um imitation of uh, actually application of different conventions to different cultural contexts and I, I think it is relevant and it's timely to many of our societies as as we get into this kind of multicultural society and as we are facing globalization throughout the world.
0: it's ah uh, it's it's beautiful to to listen to you speak, because you know as you do so, you know I'm applying all of this to what I've observed with my children. and you're just talking about the chopsticks scenario. <laughs> my daughter Not, not long ago. Uh, uh, we're at the socially appropriate place, you know, so we're at a, a, um, uh, I think it was a Thai, um, a, a restaurant. And she asked, even though we've given them exposure before and clearly they're not going to use it. She's, you know, she was eight at the time. Um, uh, well, she's eight at the moment. Um, uh, Obviously, because it's painful, you know, it requires lots of cognitive demand, and you know, it's 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 not easy to use. So it's it's a hard skill to to acquire. She asked to do it herself, and I know that she enjoys skill acquisition, but she also enjoys you know positive appraisal, you know, approval from her parents, and so she had seen, and this was modelled by you know mum and mum and dad, and even though there were you know spoons and forks there. Uh, she chose to maybe be one of the adults and and struggle with the chopsticks and you know it it shows that, that that learning is taking place but when she wants it to commence and obviously the context was right you know she maybe had more cognitive reserves at the time to say i i i feel relaxed i can i can you know strain myself and work on this you know maybe she wasn't particularly hungry so didn't matter that you know she can't get much into her mouth very quickly all these contextual things you know add up to her saying i'm going to participate in this and with no prompting from mom and dad so you know just the complexity and the context and 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 you know what was exposed before it, it all comes to this one moment you know, uh, there were autonomy occurs at that point and she chooses, and yes. you know, it's just a random little thing. But we can explain so much of this. We can observe so much of this from, from this lens, you know, that, that you're providing um, that, you know, is is, is so elegant and, and, and beautiful.
1: Yes. And, and perhaps we should reevaluate how we view over imitation. I'm not thinking perhaps over imitation or imitation. It, it, it's, it's a basis of, uh, it serves as a foundation or, or a, a, a fundamental kind of process to to help fostering other forms of learning, such as exploration or experimentation. Because I'm sure children do not only observe one way of eating in their daily lives. So, there are multiple opportunities for them to over imitate more than one way of performing the same task. So, it is up to them to process later on. So, which way am I going to use? Or shall I experiment combining two ways? I'm going to use part of way one and certain aspects of way to and develop my own way
0: and interestingly you know parents all parents have done this where they say sweetheart don't use your fingers don't use your hands right so we tell them what the social norm is and we say no one does yeah. that right yeah and yeah. and you know i don't see too many uh adults going out and eating with their hands unless it's culturally appropriate you know yeah. so yeah. Right. being right. you know having a serbian heritage there are plenty of meals that you use your hands with, right? You know, especially if you've, a chicken drumstick or something. It, the functional capacity about that is is, you know, certainly a lot a lot easier. And then there's, you know, uh a cultural acceptance of that that there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong with then licking your fingers to get the sticky, you know, sauce off it or something like that. You know, yeah. versus maybe if it was a fine dining restaurant. You uh-huh. might still use your knife and fork and, you know, risk the, the the drumstick slipping off and, you know, going into your lap or something.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's fascinating watching how children learn and explore and experiment with different um, behaviors that they've seen.
0: Frankie, I I I I um thank you so much. I I, I could talk to you for days. You you know, <laughs> you know you you know so much and 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 uh you know I appreciate uh you know, taking the time and, and sharing. How how can our you know listeners and and, and myself included, you know, find more information about you know about what we've discussed about your work as well you know if anyone wants to get into the field you know what what's a good way for them to 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 start
1: well, i'm yet to have my personal web page so that's still in progress mm-hmm. but I, I guess the easiest way is to may perhaps look at my homepage of my current institution or google scholar um, yeah, I can make that available and, and I'm available through email. I'm happy to talk to anyone through email.
0: Fantastic. And it would be right that they could, they, they, they can still find you on uh, as a, honorary an area fellow research fellow at uh, UQ. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Frankie, thank you so much. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a lovely and amazing and always refreshing to, to, you know, hear from someone with such great knowledge and, and, uh, you know, command of this academic world um, in this, you know, narrow space that that obviously contributes immensely. You know, when when we look at how to apply it, so you know, wish you the 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 best with your ongoing research and yeah, appreciate you know everything that you do and and coming on today.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please support it by going to iTunes and putting a review. Subscribe, share it via social media, and tell others about it. Start a conversation. It's listeners like you that make this able and possible and why we bring in these guests to go out and share their knowledge and resources. And just lastly, if you are a psychologist and you want to go out and be part of a bigger team, develop your experience, and get into some exciting work, come to strategicpsychology.com.au forward slash careers and reach out. I'd love to hear from you.